It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Joe Johnson at the top. Waits for Blake Griffin to come to him. Now steps back with a jumper and hits. Joe Johnson has 14 points in the first half. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 20th of April. We look back at games one and two because it's the only data we got. We'll try to figure out what to look ahead for game three. We'll take your questions on the Facebook Live edition and get it all rolling today on Locked On Jazz. Pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. This camera's too close. We are live as we always are Thursday, Facebook Live as well to, to bring you the program. Uh, what we're going to do today, I'm going to run through some numbers, kind of look at some data, try to give us an idea of where we are in the series. Good signs, bad signs, um, good times, bad times. Don't worry, I won't sing. All that uh, for you uh, on the program. Look forward to uh, giving that to you. Uh, we'll do our pins across the world, and then hopefully we'll get a bunch of questions uh, from you as well. Today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter as well as Bet DSI. If you want to uh, get in on the action during the playoffs, you can do it at Bet DSI. Uh, we'll talk about all those things. All right, that's what's coming up. Uh, thank you. A bunch of people sent thank yous to Lee Jenkins on the Lockdown NBA podcast. A bunch of people did the same to Kevin Pelton and to Talk Hoops. I always appreciate that. Um, so that's really cool. Thank you. It makes a big difference. Uh, and uh, really, that's cool. So uh, thank you very much. That's kind of what our community is. I really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you heard it. There was a ticket fraud alert by the Jazz about Game 1 tickets. Uh, so be careful if you're out there and um, just just make sure that you kind of feel good about what you're doing. You can always utahjazz.com. Smith Ticks takes care of all the jazz stuff. Uh, and just kind of just be careful, I guess, because uh, there is that fraud alert out there uh, right now. All right, let's start this off with a little pins across the world. Uh, we're going to keep pins going probably through the playoff run, and then we'll try to find something else or just uh, – Move to move to a new direction uh, at some point. We've done it for two years. I love it, but I feel like it's it's so get yours in is what I'm telling you. Dlock09 at gmail uh, dot com. Dlock09 at gmail uh, dot com. Uh, I want to update my pin across the world. Says William White. I'm be graduating from BYU in two weeks. I got a job in Arlington, Virginia. My wife and I. Excuse me. I'll, yeah, my wife and I will be moving to Alexandria, Virginia, just short of Arlington after graduation. So you can stick a pin in Alexandria, Virginia, near D.C. I started listening to Locked on Jazz two years ago. I listen to it every day because it helps me become part of the Jazz family. 
Uh, I grew up a jazz fan from a young age, and it was a good way for my family to bond. Whenever we got together, our conversation always seemed to include the latest on the jazz. Looking back at the finals runs, I wonder sometimes if only they had been any year, 1999 to 203, when the Eastern Conference teams weren't nearly as good as those bull teams with Jordan. I guess beggars can't be choosers. I still cherish those runs to the NBA Finals. Thank you for your preparation and your energy you bring in now. So I'm a statistician, so I appreciate how your data illustrates the theories and backups to your arguments. All right, cool. Uh, thank you to William White. Best of luck in Virginia. It's a beautiful part of the country. Congratulations. Uh, that should be really, really cool. All right, let's. Uh, here's what I want to do today. It's kind of a funky thing. I want to run through just some basic kind of two games. What do we have? Numbers that are taking place, uh, you know, with uh, the Clippers and the Jazz. So from, from a big, big picture standpoint, one thing that's interesting is the Jazz are shooting 40, shooting the three ball really, really well in this series. Uh, they're 41% from three. Now, they've gotten 22 attempts a game, which is getting not quite our 26 we usually get. Uh, We were better in game two. We talked about that yesterday. That was a really good sign. And we've made 41% of our threes. Now, here's the daunting thing, though. With 41% of our threes made, our offensive rating is only a 101.6, partially because we're not getting a lot off. Uh, That's 11th of the 16 playoff teams, by the way. The only team that's worse is... Uh, that's really noticeably bad is Portland. That defense of the Golden State Warriors has definitely clicked in. So why? What is going on? Why can we be hitting 40% of our threes, which so largely predicates what's going on? Well, to the conversation we had yesterday, the Jazz are getting only 12.5% of all offensive rebounds. The league average is about 22-23%. The playoff average, interestingly, is about 24%, with Chicago at... 39%, which is winning them that that uh, series. Uh, and inc- that's an incredible number. Washington second at 28. But the Jazz are only at 12.5%. So what's happening, and, and our rebounding overall, by the way, uh, percentage is at 45.9%, which is the second lowest to anyone other than Boston in the playoffs. So that's, that's a little bit of an issue. The other one is we're uh, we're turning it over at a kind of a moderate rate. We always turn it over a lot. So it's curious. We're shooting the ball really, really well, 53%. We're not getting the line a lot. We're not getting a lot of threes. And we're not getting um, and we're not getting uh, any offensive second-chance points for rebounding. So that's why our offense is not quite where we probably – think it would be if we're hitting 40% of our threes, just that collective element to things. When I dig into the shot zone, what's interesting about it is the Jazz are have had to take 37 mid-range jump shots so far uh, and only hit 12 of those. And if we dig into Hayward specifically, that's where his struggle is. He just is not getting the rim against DeAndre Jordan. Uh, we've been good at the rim. We've been good, as I mentioned, in our three-point shooting, but we've been stuck with, a, and we're not hitting them. League average on mid-range shots in the playoffs is 41%. We're hitting just 32.7%. So we're not, th- those shots aren't falling. Uh, and we're not hitting kind of the, the paint, the paint uh, non-restricted area shot either. Uh, but we've, 25% of our shots right now are mid-range shots, which is a little higher 
then we would probably prefer, and they're not going. So that's part of it. What this now, digging down to the next level that I find of interest here, is play type. One thing that I think I mentioned coming into this is that the Jazz are the fifth best team in the NBA when the pick-and-roll ball handler gets the shot. The Clippers are the third best team in the NBA defending that. Okay? So let me say that again to see if that makes some sense here. The, coming into this series, one of the kind of matchups we knew was going to be vital was via synergy. And I, and I don't love synergy stats on some of this stuff, but I do think that you can kind of, you can kind of get a vibe on what, you know, if the pick-and-roll ball handler comes out the pick-and-roll and dishes it out to somebody else, that, and he catches it for a spot-up, it's classified as a spot-up, not something off the pick-and-roll. But if your pick-and-roll ball handler shoots, the Jazz average .912 points per possession during the regular season on the pick-and-roll ball handler. It's the fifth best in the NBA. Okay? So that's the fifth best in the NBA. The Clippers, because DeAndre Jordan is great, we decided that DeAndre Jordan wasn't great in Utah because we wanted to prove that Rudy deserved to be an all-star instead of DeAndre Jordan. But because DeAndre Jordan is great, the Clippers are the second-best team defending the pick-and-roll ball handler. And so here were the two numbers coming in. The Jazz averaged .91 points per possession on the pick-and-roll ball handler. The Clippers were .795. So, I mean, if we really want to simplify it, just the Jazz were .9, the Clippers allowed .8. doesn't seem like a lot, but if it's 20% of your possessions – well, that starts to get somewhere. So what's happened so far in the playoffs is that the Jazz are at point eight, third worst of anyone in the NBA. Celtics, by the way, are only at point seven, which is really interesting because that's the thing no one else is talking about is that. And we're not getting the free throw line at all on those possessions. We were only getting the free throw line five times uh, or five percent of our possessions on the pick and roll. We're not a high free throw team, but what's really happening there, frankly, is that DeAndre Jordan has got Gordon staying completely in the mid-range, and he's and Rodney Hood's not a free throw guy, and George Hill, who did not have as good a game two as he had a game one, uh, is there. Our free throw rate during the regular season was about 11%, so we're, so we're not attacking DeAndre Jordan the way we attacked everybody else. And so we're at 0.8%. Our shooting is down as well. Our effective field goal percentage is at 426 on that, during the regular season, it was a notch below 50%. It was at 49%. So, huge part of the series, us with the pick and roll, the ball in their hands, Clippers defending that. Clippers are getting that edge right now. Clippers pick and roll just is at only, is actually worse. Clippers pick and roll is at .78, which is certainly interesting um, the Jazz are not one of the better pick-and-roll defensive teams in the league because we usually, with Rudy, play the big back, protect the rim, give up kind of that open mid-range shot, and teams usually shoot about 45.5% against us. So some of that's Jamal Crawford's not had a very good series coming out the pick-and-roll. Some of that is Chris Paul has been good uh, but has gotten some other opportunities on other things. So that's at least a little interesting. They're excellent on it during the regular season. They're the fourth-best team in the league. So that's a great sign for us, at least, is that we've we've stymied their uh, basic pick-and-roll uh, aspect of things. Spot-up shooting, just catch-and-shoot kind of spot-up shooting uh, from both the two teams so far in the series. Uh, the Jazz are on fire 
we are absolutely killing it. We're 15 of 27. Other than the Cavaliers, we've got the best points per possession that's out there. We're making those shots. So as much as I talked about the three shots we didn't make, overall, we're making those shots. The Clippers are in the middle of the pack. They've only been okay at those. Uh, the problem is we're, our frequency is down. We're only getting 17% of our shots at <clears throat> that level, and that's an area where we usually, in, you know, during the season, I think we're a little higher, uh, able to get a few more looks. The Clippers just do a very, very good job. 22% of our offense during the regular season was on spot up, and now we're at 16.8%. So we're having to find that offense in other places. What we're not good at, we haven't been good at all year, we, we just don't have the personnel for is if we get caught into isolation games. Uh, if we have to play isolation one-on-one, we struggle during the regular season. Our isolation game was 27th in the NBA. We shot 39.7%, 0.8. We just don't have those guys. Uh, we've actually been okay. On, in the, we're at 52% in the playoffs. That, to me, actually, it's 11% of our offense right now. During the regular season, it was only 6 This, to me, is disconcerting. Uh, this This is a bit disconcerting right now because – we shouldn't be at 11% of our offense being isolation. That's that's too high, and we're finishing at an alarmingly high rate. I don't think our points per possession is 0.95 for the season was 0.8. I don't think we can maintain that. Um, so that would be one where I would keep an eye on um, maybe – and we don't have a lot of regression to have, but I think there's a chance uh, we could have some regression uh, on that. So that's kind of, those are kind of a bunch of the things I wanted to look at. <clears throat> um, shot clock distribution I thought would be another interesting one that we'll get to your questions uh, as well uh, shot clock distribution how often are, are we getting caught in the final four seconds of the shot clock um, we're 18% of our possessions highest of anyone we always do that uh, but that's really high Clippers are at 8% uh, from 4 to 7 on the shot clock Ron really has focused in on this we're at 9% and the Clippers are at 9% uh, as well. We have been great in that time period, almost a little unnaturally great. Our effective field goal percentage is at 68%. Uh, early shot clock action, 18 to 22. Uh, the Bulls are getting the most in the NBA. We're the least other than Chicago, Cleveland. Clippers are in the middle pack there, have been pretty good uh, on that. Uh, and 15 to 18 is even an early hit. That's where the Clippers got us early, but they have not been able to maintain that. I think that's going to be an interesting part Friday and Sunday is they hit us early with that tempo, but then never maintained it. Um, and that, to me, jumps out, that they, they never maintained that type of kind of pressure on us all series, uh, all game long. And at the altitude, I wonder if they'll be able to do that uh, even less so. Uh, final one is catch and shoot. I talked about this a lot coming in the series, and there's good news and bad news here. The good news is we're burying the catch and shoots. When we get them, we're 56, 46% from three. Bad news is we're only getting 12 a game. Fewest of anyone in the NBA. Clippers are only getting 13. Both teams are taking this away uh, from everyone else. But this, to me, is a key part to this series. The Jazz are getting 12 catch-and-shoot opportunities a game. We were at 18.5 during the regular season. We're low anyway just because we don't play a lot of possessions. But eight, we've gone from 18.5 catch-and-shoot opportunities to 12. That's a huge part of our offense. That's where we're coming out the pick-and-roll. We're not able to get attack and break the paint at enough level to kick out and get looks from other guys. These are the shots we need. Uh, these are the shots we're going to get a Rodney Hood going. 
uh, a George Hill going and that are going to win us playoff games. And we're not getting enough of those right now in the playoffs uh, to only with 12 catch and shoot opportunities a game. That's the lowest of anyone. Now we're, we're, we're killing it. We're shooting as well as anyone in the league uh, fourth best in, in that area and have not been able to uh, take advantage of it. I, I think that's kind of all I wanted to look at. I talked about rebounding. Um, I talked about some of those other things. So that, to me, that was kind of the that was the numbers breakdown of where we are. If you want to uh, get in on the hoops action, you can use a site called Bet DSI. They've been in business over twenty years, even if you haven't uh, heard about them before. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about them. They're top rated business on sports book review sites. Uh, they have a great mobile product that's easy for you to use anywhere. They have live in game wagering. You can make plays throughout the entire game or events. Uh, really pride themselves on their customer service 24-7, 365 days a week, and they've built a reputation on fast payments on your winnings. So for uh, free $25 to try the service uh, just for registering, plus you get a 200% bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCK25. Everyone hates the E. They're just getting rid of it. LOCK25. So that's free $25 service for just registering and get 200% bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCK25. That's BETDSI. So check out the website. It's BETDSI.eu. And uh, when you go there, you'll see uh, they have all sorts of different contesting and things that you can be a part of and get in on the action um, and take advantage of that promo code LOCK25 at bet. DSI.eu. All right, let's get to your questions. Um, Matt Moon wants to know can I introduce him to Joe Ingalls? Same time, every time. And for Matt, you've made it funny, and I like that. Uh, the question everybody wants to know, odds of Rudy Gobert making an appearance tomorrow, I feel it's needed with the massive amounts of points in the paint. Well, I mean, it's, so Alex, it's unquestionably needed, right? I mean, it is unquestionably needed. I could, let's go, we go back, um, give me a second, see if I can go back, and we can look at the Clippers shot chart for the two games, and it will, it is different than... Uh, what we usually give up. Now, we usually actually give up a decent amount of shots in the paint. What we usually def- do is defend the paint uh, very, very well, and that has not happened. Give me one second to contrast this for a second. Team shooting. Hey, that's really funny. That was in Chinese. So, so far, the Clippers, This is this is an incredible <clears throat> data point here. The Clippers are shooting 75% in the restricted area. Now, we usually allow a lot of shots in the restricted area. Percentage of field goals attempted in the restricted area, we usually allow 33% of our opponent's shots in the restricted area. We rank, rank 19th in the NBA. And the, the Clippers are right there. They're at about 34%. So our defense is still allowing the same amount of shots at the rim as we always do. In the regular season... We allow 57.1% shooting in the restricted area. The Clippers are good, right? The Clippers are good in the restricted area with Blake, and they shoot 64% in the restricted area. 
So, like, if we just kind of moderately said, as good as we are defensively, as good as they are offensively, when we meld the two together, their season average is 64. We probably could, should hold them below average as the third best team. We're at 57. They're the they're the fourth best team shooting in the restricted area. They should pull us up. So let's call it 60%. Like, you would expect 60%. They're at 75%. They are at 75% shooting in the restricted area in two games in the playoffs right now. 42 of 56. If what's What are we talking about is the difference here? We're talking about the difference of not having, you know, it's not Rudy Gobert all the time. It's sometimes it's a little bit of Rudy Gobert not in. It's a little bit of a case of Jeff Withian instead of Derek Favors. It's it's kind of mixing and matching. It's also called the playoffs tenacity. But, but, fair estimate, what we're talking about, the difference between 60% that I projected and the 75% they're getting is eight field goals in two games. 16 points. That's incredible. Like, that's the value of Rudy Gobert. And defensively trying to, to, where we're not able to stop them around the room. We're doing such a great job and everything else. They're 28% above the break threes, which frankly has a variance that's not good for us because eventually those will fall. We're keeping them in the mid-range shooting 36% in the mid-range, 38% in the paint, non-restricted twos. But they are getting into the middle of the lane. They are getting to the basket, shooting 75% in the restricted area. That we, If you projected them at 60, that's an eight field goal difference. Eight field goals. And it's, frankly, the difference between winning game two, one and two. Game two. Uh, I have no idea on Rudy. I, I, would, I have said this. I will, I will hold to this. I will be really surprised if we see him in this series. Really surprised. Uh, it's a bone bruise. It's a hyperextension of a knee. You're not going to force him back just to play in the playoffs. He's too valuable the history of the franchise. You don't want him sitting there on a wobbly knee that might have, you know, change his gait or alter what he does. Uh, I, I would be just, I would be, you know, I, find, I would find it remarkable if he plays again. The, the energy and the optimism that he might play to me, I think, is wishful thinking in a lot of ways right now. Can the Clippers really survive one-sided referees in a game like Locked on Clippers claimed? I mean, I, I don't, you know, hey, I listened to the Wizards broadcast last night against the Hawks. They were complaining about the officials. I listened to the Rockets Thunder broadcast. The Rockets, they were complaining about the officials. Um... I was listening to me complain about the officials. Obviously, the Clippers were complaining. I think in the playoffs, everybody complains about the officials. I think they're fine. The area where I might back up locked on Clippers is like we had their entire team in foul trouble for all of game two, and which gave us a chance and an opportunity to stay in that game. And maybe maybe that's a bit of you know advantageous um, to us, and we didn't take advantage of it because Chris Paul – was out with foul trouble. Blake was out with foul trouble. DeAndre was out with foul trouble. So, I, I, you know, I guess if you were to pick one side, that might be one-sided in their direction. Uh, though there are weaknesses, do you still do you think we should go a little bigger this next game and stop Jordan and Griffin, maybe have favors and Withian at the same time? No, I don't. 
Uh, you have no floor spacing. You'd have two non-offensive players. You'd have two non-natural passers. Um, neither of them are great pick setters. Derek's better than Jeff. No, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Uh, do you agree playing AB more instead of Exum in the series? Well, that hasn't happened. Neither of them have played in this series. Uh, so AB was actually inactive last game, which was, but I guess it was going to be him or Exum. So I don't really understand the question, my friend. Um, so neither of them have played in this series. The indication is that Exum would play more than AB if Exum was active and AB wasn't. Ballenboy might be active just to go get five fouls on DeAndre Jordan if we ever play Hacker Jordan. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, AB is, has scuffled, and Dante has scuffled, both in, in really different manners. Um, so that's... Um, love the passion and work you put in. It's always appreciated. Thank you. Even if you don't agree, I wouldn't want you to agree every time. That would be boring, and that would be being – that make you um, like treating it like it's politics where you just aimlessly agree with whatever you're told you're supposed to agree with. No one wants that. It's not good for anybody, including me, by the way. That was not directed at anybody. Um, what's your what's the average games lost due to injuries per season for a starting lineup? I have no idea. Ours is really high, though. No, I mean, hey, we've we just couldn't get guys healthy this year. I mean, it's, it's more than the injuries. We just couldn't get guys healthy. And that's just disappointing. I mean, it's a bummer. Our guys wanted to get healthy. Our staff wanted to get them healthy. You know, everyone everyone was working as hard as they could. It just, for whatever reason, guys didn't get healthy. Uh, what is Rudy's status for Friday and Sunday? I think, I, I think I've answered that. I don't know anything, by the way. I've purposely... I, I purposely have not asked. I know that those people are being asked every second of every day, and when they know, when it's clear he's going to play, we'll know. Uh, it doesn't do me any good to ask. And I don't think there's any way they know, by the way. Uh, I've been around Rudy. What's he done so far? He has walked the floor. He's taken shots on his tippy toes. I have not seen him run. I've not seen him jump. I've seen him do a tremendous amount of therapy. I've seen him work with the doctors endlessly. But there's nothing about what we've seen in the days since the injury that would lead you to believe any idea of when his timetable is. I mean, until he starts to run and tries to stop and feels the stability and the pain, you just don't have any idea. So I, I really do believe that anything you're hearing where someone feels like he might be back on Friday or Sunday or Tuesday or Friday or Sunday is really wishful thinking. That's all it is right now. It's wishful thinking. Uh, guys are working as hard. Everyone involved is working as hard as they possibly can. I just don't have an answer for you. Uh, I felt like Hayward was passing the ball too much in that game. Do you think that needs to be more assertive? You know, G's probably got to find a way to get into the lane a little bit um, and attack the rim. He's attacked it twice and both times gotten his shot blocked, so it's easy for me to say. Um, so far this year, in game in the regular season, in games against the Clippers, and I'll, and I'll have to update this, uh, he's 11 of 35 coming in when DeAndre Jordan's on the floor. As much as everyone's talking about Luke Mbamute, who's really good, I think it's a DeAndre Jordan issue. The issue is that Gordon is turning on the pick and roll. He can't get to the rim because DeAndre Jordan's there the same way Rudy Gobert is there, um, you know, for us. And when he can't get, when he can't get to the rim, it's he then hesitates. 
because that's not available. And as he surveys the scene, then Mba Mute is back on the floor or back in front of him. Uh, and so I think that's what's hurting hurting Gordon right now. Gordon is uh, – give me one second. got When DeAndre Jordan is on the floor in this series, he's 11 of 28. He's 1 of 5 when he's off. Um, but he's 11 of 28. In the regular season, what did I say he was? <laughs> he was – uh, 11 of 35, so he's a little better. He's So he's being pretty aggressive. It's a lot more shots. The, in the regular season of his 35 shots, he only got four of them at the rim. In So far in this series, he's gotten three at the rim. He actually made two of them, so they're classifying one of those blocks. But the issue that he has is that he's in the mid-range, he's four of 13 shooting when DeAndre Jordan's on the floor. Um, he was three for 16 in the mid-range during the regular season against the Clippers. So they that's the struggle. And so I think actually the answer is for him to get off the ball a little bit. Aggressively attack that, get that ball out to our three-point shooters and see if you can create some opportunities in that way. Uh, I know Pack is usually Friday, but curious about the value on a per-game basis. I think the per-game basis is limited. So I will not, I don't think I'll be doing pack. Uh, do you agree with playing AB instead of Mac to put more size on Felton and CP3 on the floor? No, I don't think so. Sorry. Um, you know, Alec is scuffling. And, uh, I mean, it is interesting. We're playing Mac off the ball with George Hill for <clears throat> a brief few moments uh, a game. But... I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, since March one on AB, it just hasn't flown. You know, I, I I don't know if his body just fought him or it's just too or confidence. I I, I don't know. You can probably hear it in my voice. I, I'm, I'm a big fan, and but since March one, AB is shooting thirty three percent from the field and twelve of thirty four from three. So he's not. He's not bringing 35% for three. He's not bringing you a lot on the offensive end. And then I don't I don't really think that you would say that he's a better defensive player. I, I think Max played great. Uh, I think Max has been flying around and playing pretty pretty well. And frankly, if Mac can get to the right hand to the right side of the floor, he's got an offensive game on that right side. Why don't we check Ball and Boy in for a minute and play Hacker Jordan? I think we'll consider it. I'm, I'm sure they're considering it. You got to, you know, make sure you understand. <clears throat> make sure you understand a few things on it, on Hacker Jordan. One is you've got to be in the penalty, right? So we'd have to go back through the game the other night and figure out when we were in the penalty and Jordan was on the floor. Okay, so that's the first thing. Here's the one no one's talking about. Okay, let's go back to the, the stats we were looking at earlier. The Jordan makes 50% of his free throws, so that's one point per possession. The Clippers in the playoffs are not that much more than one point per possession. I actually think this conversation, frankly, that's taking place about this is actually uh, lazy by everybody. Okay, 
So let's let's walk through it. Here's the analysis of Hacker Jordan. The Clippers are averaging 1.04 points per possession. Okay, 1.04. We're averaging. Jordan hits 49% of his free throws, so if he makes if he does his average, it's one. So we're gaining 0.04 points per possession. 0.04 points per possession. If you hit 25 times, you'll gain a point. 25 times. That assumes that on all of the times he misses the second free throw, which if we do it 25 times, God forbid we had to sit through that, and you don't have 25 fouls to give. So this is insane conversation because it doesn't make any sense. You get every defensive rebound. Right? You have to – the math is not that good on it. They're getting – in the series, they're at 1.0 – they're at 1.04 points per possession. Jordan makes 49% of his free throws, so 0.98. is what I called it earlier. Difference. It's a little – you know, 0.06, sorry. But you also got to assume we go get every single – Defensive rebound. Minute we don't get one offensive rebound or one defensive rebound, the numbers skew back in favor of the Clippers. Right? Over a span of 10 plays, let's say you do it five times, unless he really chokes and suddenly goes 2 of 10 or 3 of 10, unless you get every defensive rebound, it's not even if he was four of ten. You don't get one rebound. They score it. They got six points in ten, pos- ten possessions, or that's five. They got six points in five possessions. They're 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 better off. Does that make sense? So if you do it five times, so you foul Ball and Boy out of the game, you probably got to leave him for, with one to go. And let's say he goes three of ten. It's, it works. But he's a 49% free throw shooter, not a 30. Let's say he goes 2 for 10. It works. He goes 4 of 10, and you don't get one of the defensive rebounds, which is likely, frankly, and they score, they're better off than you are. Plus, you're now against a set defense every single time. I don't think the math makes sense on it. I really don't. We may do it, but I don't think the math makes sense on it. Feels, Peter says, fella, we could have used Hack and Jordan in game two. No. There, I did that. Um, do you see playing Dante Exum other than if somebody – not right now. He's not in the rotation. Uh, I just – it's a big jump. Shelvin Max played 33 playoff games in his career. You can tell he's all right out there right now. Uh, do you think Gordon's offense depends a little on Rudy's screen assist and his roll to the rim? Without that, it's putting a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, because when Rudy rolls to the basket, DeAndre Jordan, who plays a pretty aggressive pick-and-roll defense out on Gordon, keeping him in the mid-range, keeping him off the rim, is suddenly forcing, now without a rim threat, Jordan's more aggressive on Gordon, and he's not able to get that room in there. you got Rudy rolling on the weak side, 
now he's caught in between, or at least they have to bring somebody in. Gordon can skip the pass to the corner. We get more catch-and-shoot threes. Not having Rudy's role is hurting Gordon's ability to get good looks offensively, no question. All right, I got two more minutes before I got to record the scout. Um, we didn't see much of the Ingles, Hood, Hayward, Johnson, Gobert. Well, that's yeah, because Rudy's not playing. How do we defend the high pick and roll without Rudy? Oh, you just fell over. Uh, it's going to be very hard. The problem is that Derek does not backpedal as well as some other. We may You may see us play a little bit more um, hedge, a little bit more aggressive on the ball. Uh, when are we going to see a Zach Lowe, David, Lowe, David Locke podcast? Um, it's up to Zach, and he has not done any podcasts other than his own, other than Bill Simmons this year. I'd have him. Certainly. Good dude. I like him. That wasn't a criticism. That's a fact. I don't think he's done anything that's not been his podcast or Bill Simmons. And the final question on DeAndre Hackett. We've done that. Have a great day. That is Locked on Jazz, brought to you by BetDSI. You can go to BetDSI.eu and grab that uh, with the promo code LOCK25. L-O-C-K-25. L-O-C-K-25 to get your $25 for free for service for registering a $200 bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCK25. That is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.